Welcome to Noah's Natter, your podcast for casual Christian conversation. And we welcome you back to Noah's Natter as we continue our podcast series, I guess you might call it, on predestined predestination. We're looking at the six places in the New Testament where a particular Greek word is translated in our English Bibles, predestined. And today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, dealing with verse number 7 in particular. And so, uh, as always, I'm going to let um, my cohort, Brent, the great one, Alan, uh, read. And if he wants to do a little prefacing about the context or whatever he wants to say, be fine. But he'll give to you while he reads uh, verse 7 is where we'll actually find the reference to being predestined. So... With all of that, ballyhoo, I'll turn it over to you. And thank you, Mr. <laughs> Lustrous Potentate. Thank you, Trout. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm going to – thank you. I'm going to read um, – I'm going to read in verse 7, but you know me, I always got to read it in context, so um, we can kind of get a little bit of a um, a glimmer of what's going on on both sides of this so uh, Paul uh, is just beginning his uh, discourse to the Corinthians um, talking about uh, who we are in Christ uh, who he is in Christ and the wisdom of God is where he starts in uh, verse 18 of chapter 1 um, the wisdom of God and the word of God the, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing um, and then uh, <clears throat> he in verse 22, he talks about that um, that wisdom that we look for on the outside is um, they look like for Jews they ask for sign they look for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. Well, and Paul makes mention of the, the only um, that that wisdom is Christ and Him crucified, and to both Jews and to Gentiles. It's uh, it's it's a stumbling block and it's foolishness, and uh, so, uh, and then he says to those who are called Jews and Greeks, uh, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So um, he rely he says in here he's relying on the Spirit. Um, he didn't come proclaiming this of himself. Basically, he's saying that uh, the Holy Spirit directed him into what he's saying, and then he's going to go into verse seven, which is the mystery. Of, of this wisdom, and that is um, we speak God's wisdom in a mystery is what he says, and so we'll get to that. But I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read it. I'll quit talking and read because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to read, not talk, right? <laughs> right, right, right. All right, so uh, I'm going to start in uh, verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, and he says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom... However, not of this age, nor of rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, 
the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, uh, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood, it would not have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. All right. Uh, when I hear you reading that, when you got to verse number um, two in that reading there, my mind immediately goes back. That sounds very Romans one sixteen ish, mm-hmm. where he says the power of the gospel is to everybody who believes to the Jew first, also to the Greek. So this is a common theme with Paul about the importance of the crucifixion, or the, or, or really we just put the gospels. What he means emphasizing that gospel and and uh, he was the uh, apostle to the gentiles there's no doubt about that obviously that doesn't discount that he ministered all the time to to the jewish people right. but his point has always been that the, the the wisdom of god is ultimately seen in that gospel yes. that regardless of, of of whatever's been done in the past that god has a plan through jesus to redeem humanity right and Paul, many times in his writing, uses this idea about a mystery. Uh, we find in Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, here in the book First Corinthians, that he talks about this mystery. And in all the context of that use of that word mystery, most people agree that it centers on one thing. And I'm going to read a passage from Colossians chapter 1, which of all these passages to me, just it tells us what the mystery is. A mystery simply means something that was previously unknown, and once it's known, it re- re- it ceases to be a mystery. It's revealed. Right. And Paul's job was kind of unveiling of it, right? Yeah, and he was the unveiler, you might say. Yeah. God had anointed him to be the unveiler of something that was hidden. Men weren't smart enough to figure it out in the Old Testament. Not even God's prophets. Not no. even. Uh, any of the Old Testament writers didn't really, they might have got prophecy about it, but they didn't really understand the concept of the church and the right. Gentiles. But here in Colossians 1, the Bible tells us this, um, <clears throat> of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship, this is Paul speaking, from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed or predestined, we could even put in there, to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? What we just said, is Christ in you the hope of glory. And so to me that really kind of clears up the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that the other passages address it, but that one's just... It stands off the page to me, you know, right. about what he's talking about. Yeah. But I like the idea of him connecting God's wisdom with this mystery. Definitely. You know, uh, God is far wise than, you know, we, we would ever be. And he was so wise that men couldn't figure him out in the Old Testament, couldn't figure out his plan. What yeah. you think? Yeah, well, let me talk about the Old Testament. I, just to me is just in that foolishness of men. Uh, that the Jews, the Jews are set apart by God, uh, chosen by God, set apart to be not only a blessing, but so that all people through them would come to the knowledge of God. Right. And 
<coughs> they in themselves couldn't even grasp it, and so they they were so uh, high and pious in their own belief that God was the only one just for them. I agree with that. Let's let's take that promise back to its roots and think about Abraham. You know, when Abraham received that promise, he said, you you will be blessed and your seed will be a blessing. Right. Right. So the first part of that, how was Abraham blessed himself? How did God bless Abraham? Through faith, by wisdom. All right. Was there any... Let's say, was there any earthly reward for that, or uh, was there any valid proof on his time on earth that God had blessed him? What what would we think that might be? Well, uh, we would look at it as material possessions, okay. and he was also given a son, a son of promise. Family, I mean, a large family. A large family, yeah. So, yeah, I've always just thought about that because God said, I'm going to bless you. And some might argue that the blessing was, well, it's through you that the Messiah will come. But also the same argument is used to talk about the other part of the promise, which through you all the nations of the world will be blessed, which I think is a direct reference to Christ. Yeah. But maybe it's and, yes, and. Both and, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. I've just had, I just now thought about that when you were talking about the children of Israel and that promise. Yeah. And and they're blessed, but how are they blessed? Are Are they blessed because. God has chosen them, predestined them to be that people group, Abraham being that original person, mm-hmm. to to carry the seed of the woman until Jesus got here. And then once Jesus is here, now everybody can be blessed. I, yeah. I don't know. That's it's all going yeah. through my mind right now. Yeah. But how wise was that for God to figure out something like that? It's not the kind of plan that you and I, if we were trying to save this world, that's probably not a plan that you or I would come up no. with, you know. No, and we see the we see the discrimination of the Jews that happened even before then, you know, because Jews' idea of behind being uh, being God's chosen's were that I will just for instance take Rahab Rahab's prostitute, you know, she was brought in to into their family, if right. you will. But she wasn't fully a part of it. Right. And whereas when Christ came, that dividing wall, of course, we talked about that in the temple, that dividing wall of the temple was broken down. And so there is no distinction anymore. And all who come to Christ are a part of the family. Right. Now we have a funny way of looking at that, too, along with Ruth, you know, because those are two women that are directly in the bloodline of Jesus. Yeah. In my crazy way of thinking, I think God's dropping hints. These are these women represent in a, a veiled way, obviously, because nobody figured it out. Right. This is what God's going to intend to do with the whole of humanity. Right. You know, yeah, He's He's going to allow every now and then a, a Gentile to come in through marriage or whatever into the bloodline of the very Messiah. But don't you understand that my overall plan is to redeem everybody? everybody. And, you know, I, and I kind of think that's like like a God thing. You know, some people today call it a God wink. I don't like using that terminology, but it's God kind of showing his cards, you might say, before he lays his hand on the mm-hmm. table in the New Testament. Yeah. And and I'm like, God was kind of daring people to try to figure out what he was doing, right. you know, yeah. in a yeah. joking way. I you mean, get man. glimpses of it, but That's you it. never get the full revelation of it. Right, you know? right. And it just shows you how wise God was right. because he, he 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 does that, you know. Yeah. And, it's just and we crazy. as dumb, ignorant human beings, <laughs> we just 
Sometimes it's revealed right in front of us and we choose to ignore it. Yeah, that's true. And that's why he called them, called them foolish. You know, what right. he's preaching to Christ was foolishness to those uh, who, who never could see it. But, right. uh, and if they'd really believe that Jesus was the Messiah, now think about this. This verse here is one of my favorite when I was back in school, back in seminary. This is one of the verses I had to, to translate. From the and the language here these, with these perfect tenses, for if they had under if for if they had understood, and they did not, is really right. what it's saying. Right, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but, but they, they did. did. <laughs> yeah, you know, but that was to our benefit. It was all really part of God's wisdom that they rejected Christ. I'm not saying God desired that, but the Bible's no. clear. Jesus came to his own and received it not. But the the downstream plan from that was God was going to use that really as an impetus to say, hey, my chosen people, who you quoted a while ago so well about the original promise that came to Israel, but I'm going to now reach out to another group and by... by Inference the whole world. I'm gonna say the whole world. Yeah. But you you got first shot at it. You might say right. Right. I mean maybe that's the way to look at it. Yeah. You got first shot and you're not totally done with. But I'm gonna let everybody else have a shot at it now. And mm-hmm. so this is why Jesus. We're not in. We're not in Abraham. We're in Christ. That's right. Yeah. You know, they were real proud of the fact that they were in yeah, Abraham. Right. Didn't yeah. they tell Jesus that on one occasion? Yeah, we were Abraham's. Lineage, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. And, and you're just a you're just a dude from Nazareth. And God, uh, excuse me, but Jesus turned around and told him on one occasion, kind of backbiting, and he said, "You of your father, the devil." devil. You know, talking about to the Pharisees and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think he that also made said them, before Abraham was, "I am." I am. Yeah, that would have really toasted set their them tacos. Off. <laughs> right. He knew he knew how to do it, but. Yeah. Let's take us a little further and to, to close up because we, this really wasn't part of our discussion. We've got about two or three minutes. But as you look, he looks he looks on down the road here, not just at salvation here in verse number 7 and 8. And not only really looking back to the past, but he looks forward because it's in Christ that all of this is, has the capacity to come about. Right? right? He makes that clear in Ephesians. In fact, next week, here's a... A plug for our next episode will be in the first chapter of Ephesians, chapter 1, dealing with the passage there next episode. And in Ephesians, the term in Christ or with Christ is one of the most key phrases that you find. And it really encapsulate this, it encapsulates this mystery thing, mm-hmm. that now everybody is in, in Christ. Christ. If yeah. we're saved, we're in Christ. We're not necessarily in Abraham. But as it is written, verse 9, uh <coughs> Things which eye has not seen and ear not heard have entered into the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love Him. Now, while I agree that could be things here, future, even even here on earth, to a degree. Sure. I really think this has more of a heavenly overtone than an earthly overtone to Agreed. me. It's something like we talked about in a Bible study the the other day is right. That you know that uh, we really can't comprehend all the things that we. Uh-huh. That not only we're going to we have here the promises, but right. also the promises uh, either further on, you and, know, when we get to heaven. And every time I read the end of that verse nine, I always go back to John fourteen. You know, yeah. you got Jesus talking about preparing a place. You know, yeah. So 
in my little mind, my mind is how my mind works, all right? You know, when he created this world, took him six days, and he literally spoke everything without lifting a finger. He spoke it by the word of his mouth. Now, from Jesus' per, human perspective, he's left this earth for 2,000 years. So, was, has he been preparing us a place the whole 2,000 years? You know, to live. And there's, of course, there's a take on that, too, because this, right. that was on the night before he died. Yeah. How did he make preparation for us to get a mansion? You might say, well, he had to do it through the gospel. <laughs> exactly. You know, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, yeah. maybe in the immediate context, he was talking about, I'm, I'm about to go to Calvary and die. Yep. And that's how you that's get how prepared I to go get. to heaven. Mm-hmm. But I also understand the further context that maybe even looking past the ascension, I'm going to, I'm, I am a carpenter of the universe, so so to speak, tongue in cheek, and I'm going to prepare a place for you because I just right. said in my father's house are many mansions. Well, he wasn't going to do that on earth as far as the physical thing. That was going right. to be our spiritual thing to get to the physical. Yeah. And even that word mansion there means a place with many rooms, not necessarily a, a mansion is just what we think of a kingdom. we think, a right. kingdom. Yeah. Kingdom. He's, I'm going to so, prepare my kingdom. Yeah, and maybe that's something we can, after we finish this predestined, we'll talk about that. That would be a very interesting yeah. passage. To, Which also is even more futuristic because when there's a new heaven and a new earth, the kingdom will be established. Yeah, and that will be a physical kingdom. And we'll be a part of that. Yeah, and we'll be ruling we'll and reigning. We'll be ruling and reigning with Yeah, him. that'd be a good day. Yeah. That's going to be a, that's gonna be a good eternity, right? Well, he's done all that beforehand. Right, he's he's already got all the details worked out. It's just got to actually come into being during our time. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose, and that's in Romans eight. And that's in Romans eight, uh, twenty-eight, I think. All right, well, I guess that does it for that. That didn't take us long to talk about (laughs) about that. On our next time, as we said, we'll be in Ephesians chapter one and uh, verse number nine. That'd be where we'll be, and so join us on our next episode as we continue to talk about predestination. I guess we're predestined to talk about this. We were. In a very casual way. (laughs) And remember that we are Noah's Natter. We're always your place for a casual Christian conversation.